Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and with me tonight, I have Dan. Hey, Alex. Good to be back. Two in a row. Been a while. Yeah, two in a row. <laughs> and uh, it does look like our worst fears were confirmed. Uh, we thought perhaps with the podcast returning last week that uh, we might be the jinx that sort of broke the winning streak of the side. And unfortunately, that was the case. But uh, on the other hand, looking at it with a glass half full, to think that at this stage of the season, taking a point, point away from Villa Park would be seen as disappointing. And to have been 2-0 up and a chance to, to win the game and, and go within a point of the top six, um, it does sort of underline how far we've come this season. So in a way, it's uh, it's a very uplifting sort of result. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, we were probably we both expected to, to probably carry on the winning run and go seven um, wins in a row, but it's still, I think, 10 games unbeaten. Yeah. So it's still uh, in the league that is. So it's um still, it's still it's still a good still good of a good vein of form. And um as we we're just talking about off air, um when you consider um the device um who's been probably the standout centre half um over the last six weeks or so went off just before half time injured, um and then we had to, I think Mackenzie came in and so he's played about two games of senior football so and not yeah. that he performed poorly but he was just he was caught I think he was caught out a little bit um and Aston Villa was able to to come back uh well replied as soon as device went off and then were able to claw one back in the second half so I still think it was a fair a fair performance considering the circumstances yeah and I think it's harsh to um, to criticise Mackenzie too much, but I think it does underline... I mean, when we were linked to Connolly from Cardiff and we sort of thought, well, the defence is performing quite well. We've got a couple of guys in reserve. Is it really necessary to bring in another centre-back? I think this does sort of underline the need for a bit more depth back back there where um, to, have a, to have a kid with about two or three games experience coming off the bench, you probably, if you want to be serious about making a push for, for not only the playoffs but also promotion... Um, you really need a bit more experience back there, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it does sort of... It, it's Device's transformation over the last couple of months is is one of the more impressive ones in the squad. And like you said, it sort of underlines how important he is back there that we basically conceded from the first attacking play Villa had after he went off. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's disappointing to see he'll be out for, I think, up to two weeks, I think Adkins said. Um, but... You know, at the end of the day, a point is a is a decent point, as you say. Ten ten games undefeated now. I think we've moved up in the table now. We're in eighth eighth position. Um, yes, six points off the playoffs now instead of the four points it was before. I think, but um, it's still it's still a positive. And um, Bowen on the score sheet yet again. Yeah, and I think the six points isn't that big an issue when you consider there's plenty of teams above us. That, of the like of the seven teams above us, I think there's not many that we've played twice. Uh, so there's yeah, it might only just be Leeds. Um, so there's still plenty of opportunities to pick up to take points off those teams above us, and like of course they're going to play what, each other as well. So you know yeah, and when and talking and then when we're, we're going to go over this soon, but we've got Blackburn this weekend, and they're very close to us behind us so if we can get take the points off them that st- we start to o- start to build that gap between not only like close the gap between us and teams above but start to hopefully build a little bit of a buffer between us and those teams below us absolutely um so 
on the on the performance on the team on the pitch um probably it's kind of harsh to say obviously but probably our worst defensive performance of the year so far in terms of uh, calendar year um i think the last time we conceded two goals would have been late um december perhaps um obviously clean sheets in our last couple of games can't be too critical of Marshall, though. I think he had another good performance, and I thought the midfield performed quite well. I think um, Stewart was a little bit slow to get into the game, but once he hit his groove, he was he was another one who was very impressive. And Evandro uh, was sort of singing his praises last week, but Evandro, Bowen, Grzycki again, that attacking trio in midfield were just uh, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I think um, Evandro's... He's when he's at, when he's been able to stay fit. He's he's really shown his class and what he's capable of. Um, it's just unfortunate that he's sort of been ever since he's um, come to City and probably a little bit before as well. He's been plagued with those soft tissue injuries, and they sort of they're really hard to to shake properly. Um, and that's sort of been the problem. We he th- he said he had he worked really hard over the off season, and he thought he was in the best shape. And then unfortunately, he picked one up, and and it just took him a while took him a while to get over and so hopefully you know fingers crossed there's he sort of turned that corner and there's no more of that because he's could well very well be crucial to to um you know how the our fortunes are over the last half of the season and with i mean he's only been you know a couple of games um you know that since Irvine left, but that was the role that Irvine was mostly playing. And I mean, if if Evandro continues in that vein of the vein of form that he's sort of in, I mean, Irvine might even come back from the Asian Cup and find it a bit harder to to get a start every week. Yeah, and of course we'll talk a little bit in a second about our newest signing, but he's another one who'll add a bit of depth and competition across the midfield. Um, and even Chris Martin up top, I just wanted to touch on him as well. Uh, it's very easy for a striker that isn't scoring a lot of goals to be quite maligned by the supporter base, but I, I thought he did put in quite a good display, and you have to think that shot he had towards the end of the game that um, the Villa keeper made a tremendous save to keep out, if that goes in, all of a sudden he's the hero of the match, and, and it's a very different story. Um, I can understand why some might be a bit critical of him not putting away his chances, but he was involved in both goals in, in, in the build-up play, so I, I think... You can't fault him too much. I think, if anything, there might be a bit of frustration that he was kept on in place of Campbell coming off the bench, um, which is perhaps my one kind of comment around the way we performed uh, on and off the pitch, was whether um, whether throwing Campbell on late might have given us just a little extra dimension and another roll of the dice to, to try and get the three points. Yeah, I think um, Chris Martin's he's had an interesting time so far with us, but I think like even Adkins came out might have been in the last week or so and said that there's much more to Chris Martin's role than just scoring goals, and I think that has to do with you know he's got so much experience in the league and and all of that, and I think his um his value his his like value as an asset to to this team is is sort of beyond his goal scoring if he if he can start to get some and i think he will like he, he got one uh, got that one against bolton and he's been he's getting cl- closer and closer to like to breaking you know uh to getting another goal and i i'm sure he will um but he's performing well it's not like he's you know, cutting a lonely, you know, lazy figure or anything out there. He's 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 working hard and he's he's getting chances. He's just not quite able to capitalise on them at the at the minute. But it sort of happens. I mean, he hasn't really played that much football um, 
even since he came to us, like he's getting more than he was before. But, you know, strikers always, they take a little while to sort of, to get that eye back in, eye for goal back in. So um, it just depends how they, if, if we're like, you know, we're sort of got Campbell in a sort of in that, you know, wool blanket at the moment, trying to keep him um, a bit protected, you know, because obviously he's, he's vitally important to us over the back end of the season. So, like, Martin's going to get his get more opportunities, and I'm sure um, he'll start to get some goals soon. And uh, on the injury to device, are you a little concerned about our fragility down back, perhaps in his absence? I know we've got um, Burke and... Um, I really don't, I don't think Mazouk's fit at the moment, is he? So it's kind of going to be interesting to see how we line up on the weekend, whether Lehigh plays at centre-back, perhaps. Um, uh, I don't I don't know what other options we really have. I think most likely formation I could see is probably Lehigh and Burke with uh, Kingsley and Kane as the full-backs. But does that sort of um, raise questions around how solid we can be? I know we've been so good over the last stretch of games with our defence, but I think a large part of that's down to device's form. Yeah, um, I think, as you mentioned before, that that um, devices, uh, like we thought, we sort of thought that we were reasonably stocked in, in the defence, but we've, we've sort of been given a very stark reminder of uh, probably how... Uh, the lack of like of real depth we had yeah. depth in numbers but we're probably not depth in quality yeah. um so i think i'm not sure how far away um mazuk is but i mean if i mean i hope he's close because if he could come like if he was able to be to be available even if it's not this week but it's next week or whatever the more that he can play um because he's he's performed pretty well in the I mean yeah, Mizuk's another like Evandro where he's a, he seems to be quite a quality player he's just you know there's always there's always got to be an element or a drawback to a player that finds them playing for a team in the second division in England um, whether it's you know um, not quite being good enough or having injury issues and I think for guys like Evandro and and Mizuk, it's definitely the latter that it's just they're not fit consistently enough to to play their trade at a higher level um, but when they're on the park, they're quality players. And you're right. I mean, if we could get Mazouk fit for even just a couple of weeks, it kind of is a stopgap solution while um, Device is out injured. Yeah, I'm talking... It says that... On, uh, it's only hold any mail, but they've. it says they've, that Mazouk and McCann are in reserve. And that was only a okay. few days ago, just, oh, just a week ago. So before the last match. So um, they that must... Be be, or might have been just... Yeah. If he's fit, then, so, then he'd be the obvious one to come straight back in. Yeah, so... Um, and the other thing is, like, it's always hard. Like, I suppose, like, the other thing with... If you were, if they were going to play McKenzie again, at least this time he's got... Yeah. He knows he's going to be in there. He's got that whole week, you know, of training to, to work with, within, with Burke and within that team. Like, I can only imagine what it's like to... You know, normally they're coming on. They they might be getting ten minutes at the end of the game as sort of you know get it go out and get a bit of experience, and then to have you know a influential figure in the team who everyone's been going. This guy's playing amazing. All of a sudden he comes off injured and you get thrown in. You can you can only imagine what's going through his head. Um, so it, it was obviously a hard um, would have been hard for McKenzie and, but I think yeah maybe with a week, I probably still would prefer to I probably would bring Lee High inside and play, 
yeah, Kingsley and Kane, I suppose, as the wing, as the as the wide defenders. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I think in some ways, or well, hopefully, this will sort of motivate the club to, to really make a push and, and a breakthrough in the transfer window. I know we've been linked to uh, Mings in the last couple of days from Bournemouth as well. Um, but I, I think that's definitely an optimistic one. I think he's one that would command either a transfer fee or um, would be on decent wages at Bournemouth. And I know they're looking to offload him on a permanent deal. And I think a couple of clubs like Leeds and uh, West Brom and... Uh, perhaps even Derby are in for him as well. So I think that'd be pretty stiff competition for Mings. I think we'll have to set our sights a bit lower. Um, but if we can just get some sort of defensive um, uh, backup option, uh, whether it's on loan or whatever it is, I think it's, it's one of those frustrating situations where I think if the owners were serious about a promotion push, I don't think they'd necessarily have to spend a lot of money, but just a little bit, just push the boat out a little bit and, you know, as a as a as a kind of wild extreme, I mean, you could even look at someone like a Jaggy Elka at, at Everton, who yes, he'd be on huge wages, but the experience and the knowledge that he would bring to the dressing room would be immense, and um, would be an obvious sort of one to to sort of have a look at and have a go at. Um, but even looking, you know, further down the league or even you know outside of England, there would be options out there that yes, they wouldn't be cheap, but. They're not going to be, you know, it's not like a £10 million transfer fee or something like that. It'd just be, you know, a decent chunk of wages, perhaps, um, for six months. Um, you know, if you wanted to sort of do that sort of short-term gamble where you don't have that commitment into next season, you're not buying the player, you're just bringing them in on loan. Um, I, I, I struggle to see how there's, there's much of a downside to just sort of having a bit of a go over the last six months of the season. Um, and maybe this injury sort of... And, and, and sort of the injury and then the fallout from the injury, the consequences on the pitch might sort of make the club sort of take another look and, and, and consider going and dipping into the market. Yeah, I think like considering like when you look at how much money we've spent on players like over the last two years, really, like it's been minimal compared to like the teams that are spending a lot of money in, and they're the teams that are like basically really fighting for those um, automatic promotion spots. So to be in a position we're in to have sp- and have spent so little on transfer fees. We're basically and, and... the Tottenham of the championship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah essentially. We've, um, we're, we're defying all expectations at this stage. And I think, obviously, you know, we've spent so little. The owners don't want to spend a lot. But I think you're right in saying it's not, you know, to say, you know, to – there's plenty of players that are going to be out there at the moment who either are running out of contract and not playing a lot of games or are, um, you know, at clubs that aren't performing well that are, you know, the player themselves might be, might be all right, but they're at a, in a currently, you know, got a contract to the club that looks like they might be going down. And, you know, there's plenty of players that will be very happy probably now to look at a team that's on the up. Like we've become a much more attractive proposition than we were four months ago. Yeah, and uh, moving on now to talking about the player that has signed for us, and he spoke in his first interview for the club about how the winning run that the club's been on has um, really sort of um, been been a big boost coming into the camp, and that's Mark Pugh signing from Bournemouth. Uh, who interestingly says that he spoke to Elphick in the last few days before making the move across and Elphick speaking so highly of, of the club, of the manager, of the squad. 
Um, he, he seems like he's one of those players where you look at the reaction from the Bournemouth supporters with him leaving and it's nothing but well wishes for him and, and all of this talk about how much of a professional he is, how, how passionate he is and, and that's the sort of player you want to be bringing into the squad and he, he's, he's exactly that mould of a player who is I think 30-31 um, running, running to the end of his contract at Bournemouth has so much experience getting promoted from the championship, scoring a lot of goals in the division, he knows it well uh, and he can he can impart a lot of knowledge to the squad. Even if he sat on the bench, I think he's the sort of player who will be quite happy just to be in and around the squad, getting his time off the bench, you know, starting the odd game when someone like a Grzycki or a Bowen needs a rest, or an Evandro, because he can kind of swing across that front three. Um, he's a really, really useful signing and a really great one to kick off our, um, our transfer activity. Yeah, I think um, he is a good signing um, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. My only concern is that, like, with Tottenham and Tottenham, all those players have gone down injured in the last couple of weeks. And since we, like, like spoke about, you know, there being reported interest, but, you know, never having watched. And then since then, they've actually sent scouts to our game, I believe. Um, and there are rumours that they're actually now preparing an offer and, I don't know whether it's just rumors upon rumors, but does you know when before like when the rumors were and they had a full squad, you were sort of like, well, there's not really any appeal to going. But if they now there's potentially you know he's potentially potentially someone like Bowen, it could be snapped up by another a team in that in a top division. I mean, if they're going to throw sort of twelve fifteen million dollars or uh, pounds, I mean at at the club. Do you, at, Adams don't really have a history of turning down that kind of money, yeah. um, regardless of whatever stance they've said they've taken. So that's my only concern. But at least, like, they, if if he does go, um, it would it would be a huge loss. And I like Pew. Um, I don't think will be is not going to replace him. But at least you've got there's already someone at the club who can fill the role. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was a concern expressed by Logan as well when we first heard the news of the signing and. I, I don't blame that sort of being where a lot of the thoughts go of, oh, well, we've just signed a winger. You know, Bowen and Grzycki, in fairness, are both in great form and might attract interest from out, uh, outside the club. Um, I just... It just seems to be the sort of signing that um, is more of a, um addition to the depth of the squad rather than a replacement, only because I just get the sense that if we were expecting an offer for Bowen, you'd almost expect us to be signing someone on a permanent deal. I mean, granted, Pew's in the last six months of his deal, so we might just be looking at picking him up on a free transfer in the summer if he does well, um, which I suspect is what we're doing with Kane as well, who, who's who's in great touch yeah. for us and, and is in the last six months of his deal as well. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, until the window closes, you're never going to be certain that the players aren't going to leave, but I just think it would be really silly to sell now. I think especially... I, 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 I think I'd be a little bit less surprised if, if Grzycki left than Bowen, only because Grzycki's in the last six months of his deal, whereas Bowen's, I think, still got 18 or even uh, 24 months, uh, 18 or 30 months left on his deal, I think. I know he signed that extension at the start of last season. I can't remember if it took him to 2020 or 2021. Um, but, but that's the only thing I just think he'd get, they'd get much more value for him in the summer. So I think it would, be, it would make less sense to sell him now. Um, although with the alums, you never know. <laughs> they might just, as you say, if, if a 12, 15 million pound offer came in, they might just think that's as good as, as it gets and just um, make the call then. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I try and look at the positives of the Pew signing and just hope that it just means, you know, as on the weekend against Villa, we were talking about um, trying to throw Campbell on perhaps to, to change things up, but throwing someone like a Pew on in place of a, maybe Krizicki or, or Evandro maybe tiring as the match goes on, throw him on in place of them or, or a Henriksen or, or Stewart to make it more of an attacking formation um, to really kind of chase games towards the end of them. Um, he, he's going to be a great addition, I think, and, and certainly he's probably going to add more than Milinkovic at this stage from what we've seen. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I mean, even just the more listening to you, um, you know, talk talk your thoughts on the situation, it sort of, even that just puts my mind a little bit um, at ease. But yeah, I think overall, I'm I'm happy with the signing. I mean, I'm, I'd probably be happy with just about any signing the way it's um, <laughs> been going. But I mean, on the plus side, you know, the days are ticking down, we're getting closer to the end of the transfer window, and there's not been anything concrete on really on any of our players leaving so that's um i mean that's about as much as you can hope as the transfer window progresses just to to maintain that yeah for sure um well we'll uh, close things off now by looking ahead to that blackburn game this saturday night um they were in a replay for the fa cup uh last week i believe so that was only confirmed quite recently that the game was going to go ahead they would have had an fa cup fixture if they had beaten i think it was newcastle they were playing um, but it'll be an interesting game, as, as you were saying before, the 10th in the table um, and level on points with us, just uh, worse goal difference. But I think they've won their last three games, so they're in quite good form as well. And of course, have, uh, have former Hull City superstar Danny Graham leading the line for them. Um, it's going to be a, quite an interesting fixture because it's one of those games, as you said, where if we can get the three points, it does start to create a bit of a buffer with the teams below us, which... Um, is sort of, I guess, the next step that we've now reached this position where we're challenging for the playoffs, but it's also now about starting to push away from the teams below us and kind of consolidate that position because, you know, let's face it, there will come a game where we'll lose and we'll drop points and we'll need to sort of have a bit of a buffer so that we don't start sliding back down the table. Um, and we want to be able to stay in touch with that top six. So it is one of those games where you kind of have to target all three points if you want to really have a serious push for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's much the same as what we said about Villa last week. That teams around us, and we really need to take points. And with us being level on points, I don't, I can't, it, you can't really accept anything other than the three. Um, I mean, they are in readable form themselves. I think um, so. That's, but I think, I mean, it should be a good game. I think. Basically, you got two teams that are playing pretty good football um, coming up against each other in similar positions on the table. I mean, it, it, it'll be good to watch anyway. Yeah, it'll be great. And if the other interesting part of uh, Saturday night will be we'll see Bristol City taking on Borough uh, and Derby will be in uh, FA Cup action. So if we are to beat um, Blackburn, there's a real chance that we could close that gap to three points to Derby. And of course, um, Bristol City and Borough, one of them has to drop points, preferably both, really. Um, and and Borough are only one point ahead of Derby. So it, it's kind of like, it's not even a case of just looking at Derby in sixth and trying to chase them down. But, you know, Middlesbrough are suddenly within range as well, and they're in fifth. So um, there's a couple of teams there that are, are within striking distance. And if we can sort of see those rivals taking points off each other, it really becomes um, quite, a, quite an interesting race for the playoffs. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've just got the table up here now, and then you're looking at, you know, Derby's six points ahead of us and Borough's a point ahead of them. But, like, Sheffield and West Brom, 
they're only a win ahead of Middlesbrough. I'm um, obviously the the goal difference starts to stack up, but like as you're saying, like you get a win, you get a little bit closer, and then all of a sudden the, your target might we start changing targets. At the moment, you know, we're sort of we're chasing Bristol and Derby, and then if we can manage to catch them, then all of a sudden it's really not that far. It shouldn't be that far from from that from those from the Blades and from West Brom. And then, like, I mean, I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, you know, just for argument's sake, beyond them, like, the two automatic spots, like, they're really only, like, a win beyond them. Like, to say, yeah. to, to think to think where we were and to currently be, like, I mean, 14 points is, I, I can't really see us, you know, or even 13 points overcoming that distance over the end of the season. Again, like, with those, with Leeds and Norwich, you know, in form they are. But ten points is probably is still a bit is a bit of a stretch when you look at it over the whole thing. But it's ten points, I think, is doable when you've still got what eighteen games or something to go. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it, it does seem kind of you know uh, you know ridiculous to sort of look at trying to chase down leads. But I remember looking at the table, you know, probably October maybe where Leeds were maybe 20, 25 points ahead of us, if not more. I can't remember what the exact mm. figure was. And just thinking, boy, you know, that just underlines how poorly we're travelling, that this is how far we are off first. You know, we're stuck in the relegation zone, you know, yada, yada, you know, looking likely to go down. And all of a sudden, it's down to 14 points. And you think, well, really, if we can maintain this sort of run of form, the gap will just start to close even more. Um, and as you say, of course, you know, first and, first and foremost, it's chasing down Derby. But as you get closer to that sixth position, you start looking higher and higher, um, and you never know what can happen. Um, it, it really does sort of open things up quite wide that a lot of those teams are starting to look over their shoulders at us. Um, and I found it quite funny seeing the report, I can't remember if it was this morning, it came out that there was a, about 10 or so clubs looking at reporting leads to the um, EFL over there spying at Derby. Um, and I think we were one of the clubs listed as, as looking to complain. And the cynic in me sort of looked at the list of teams and thought, oh, that's awfully co- coincidental that all of the teams looking to complain about Leeds are all in and around the playoff places. And of course, <laughs> we'd be hoping, you know, slimmest possibility, that if there were sanctions against Leeds, they might be stripped of points. And of course, that would then benefit these other clubs. So I found it quite funny that we were sort of in and amongst those clubs. And I feel like... Ah, I wonder if the Alums are sort of looking at it saying, well, well, you know, any advantage we can get to get in the playoffs. And in a way, it, it's kind of heartening to see, you know, you sort of roll your eyes at, at the at the length some clubs go to, to to sort of get one up over rivals. But at the same time, it's sort of heartening that the, the owners sort of care enough to, to go to those lengths. Um, and, and yeah, so, it, it, you know, no team's really out of reach at this stage. No, and I mean, what what better team to uh, to try and report <laughs> than our good friends over at Leeds? Uh, could you imagine if we finished <laughs> the season above them? I think that we like they would never get to live that down, considering where we were, you know, October yeah. to them. I think it would just be the most utterly utterly Leeds thing to do to collapse to that extent that they finished behind a team that was, you know, dead to rights basically. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned October, and I was just thinking about like we we were talking about like how difficult it's going to be to climb up the table. But then I was thinking like if you look back, like I'm looking at the bottom of the table, and 
it really wasn't that long ago that we were behind Reading and Bolton and all these teams down here, and all of a sudden we've got almost a twenty point gap on them. So I, I guess like the end of the day, like if we just yeah, as you said, like if we just keep performing and keep picking up points and picking up wins, then I mean the, there is still plenty of points to play for. So I guess anything's possible. Yeah, I mean, I remember looking at the table and thinking that we were in the relegation spots, thinking, well, there's not a team above us that we could get above. They're all looking pretty decent, um, which is pretty remarkable to think that how many of them were above. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the table now. Um, that game in October where we played Bristol City, so this was the game right before we played Bolton, um, where our sort of good run of form started to come from. We were on nine points, and Leeds were on 26 points. So this was after 14 games played. We were on nine points. They were on 26. So they were 17 points ahead after after 14 games, which is you know pretty ridiculous when you think about it, because that's almost you know um, oh, I can't even do the maths in my head that they you know the amount of points that they're better than us um, over that gap of you know 17 points in 14 games, whatever whatever that translates to. But um, you know. The fact that we've not only closed that gap to to um, to what it is now to the 14, well, I mean it's 14 points, so it's three points closed. But the amount of teams that we've overtaken in the process um, is is a pretty remarkable transformation, and you know, sky's the limit at the moment. Yeah, and just I mean, just with what you're saying, like just to think that so after 14 games we were on nine points, and now we've played 28. So from the next 14. We've picked up 31 additional points. Like, that's a phenomenal change of fortune. So, um, I mean, I think what we're really start doing here is, I guess we're just sort of, we're able just to have a look at these things. We're putting it into a, into perspective, looking at it all in a different light. And, I mean, it's overall, it's all pretty good reading, really. Yeah, and you think if we replicate over the next 14 games something similar to what we've done over the last 14, we're looking at almost 70 points, which is pretty strongly rooted in the um, playoff places. I, I think the season we went up in second, it was yes, it was a it was sort of a low points total for um, the automatics, but I, I can't think we were that far over 80 points. So if we could get from 42 point 42 games something approaching 70 points, um, it would be a pretty remarkable total. Yeah, well, I'm just having a look at last year's table, and where was sixth? Sixth was Derby on 75. Oh, okay, yeah, so, so we got something like that. Yeah, um, um, I'm not sure, but yeah, so that was, was last year, um, and like top two were 90 points, so... Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, the season I'm thinking of that we got promoted yeah, I know. 79 points, but yeah, that was a quite low total at the time. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, if we were on, you know, 65 points after 42 games played with, a, you know, final four games to play for a playoff place, it, it would be quite a strong position to be in. But, uh, you know, as the old adage goes, I guess we've got to take it one game at a time. And um, it's exciting to just be in the position to sort of dream of a potential playoff place, I think. Yeah, well, I, I think we both, everyone, we all know, I mean, how little we've really had to cheer about over the last few years. So it's um it's a nice change to be in a in a position where we can look favorably, look positively towards the end of the season. And then just before we sign off, do you have a score prediction for the Blackburn game? Uh, I think because they're both because we're both going so well. Um, probably like two one. I think I think we can win. I think but it'll be two one. I can't. I don't know. 
with that device and with sort of what's essentially going to amount to being sort of a bit of a uh, mix and match sort of backline. Uh, yeah, I think we might we may struggle to keep a clean sheet uh, this week, but I think you know we've been talking about Grisicki and Evandro and and Bowen, you know, and you know you wouldn't be surprised to see Campbell um, get a bit more action uh, this weekend. So I, I, yeah, I think we we got the ability to score goals, but I dare say we might concede one as well. Yeah, I, I think I'll agree on that, and I might go with a three-two win. I just think Bowen's in such good form at the moment; it's hard to contain him. Um, and if they do try to contain him, then um, it probably means that Grzycki will get off the leash on the other wing. Um, and as you say, Evandro through the middle is also looking quite good at the moment as well. So I think it'll be more a case of trying to outscore the opposition rather than contain them, um, given the sort of state our defence is in. Although if Mazouk can come into the side, that would be quite quite promising as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think I could see a 3-2 win there. I think we will have too much for them, but... Um, at the end of the day, I think like the Villa game, it's it's almost a case of if we can at least take a point, at least sort of maintain that position in the table above them. Um, I think that's probably the first priority, and then and then yeah, try and take the other two points as well and, and turn it into a pretty convincing win. It'd be a good start. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, Dan. No worries. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back same time next week, hopefully discussing a great victory over Blackburn and uh, one step closer to the playoffs. But until then. Come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back because you're out.